1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 254 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. The Wolves 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter. Jack, why are you laughing? I'm just listening. <laughs> it's fine, carry on. <laughs> and everything else, 77 Club. <laughs> Don't talk about what we've been doing off air. We need it. We're late for a reason, but I'm, I'm bored of it now. <laughs> Uh, this is a running joke now. We get messages though, and ha- Harry's Wi-Fi cracks me up. Um, Jack Williams is here. Hello, everybody. Uh, and there's no Bayliss because he's very, very hard at work. Um, Harry, let's start with, uh, well, the 2-0 the loss to Brentford. Um, I think Jack called it on the podcast pretty much last week, said 3-0 Brentford. Um, I was getting carried away thinking they were rubbish. Obviously, the, uh, the Ivan Tony. Uh, part of Brentford was what the difference was, I think, in the end, although he was quiet for most of the game, but it was a disappointing performance from Wolves, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think Jack nailed it, didn't he, last week with his prediction, but I don't know, same team. I played at Chelsea, but it was one of them. We played on that much. We always knew something weird was going to happen. And uh, I think a, a few fans were pessimistic about it. When we're on top, when we're meant to be favourites for a game like that, the atmosphere is always terrible, which it was. Um, and yeah, we started off so bad. And just to, you know, put the nail in the coffin, I think when Cunha went off after 20 minutes, that really set the tone for the afternoon then. Although we did um, have a good fight back, I thought. And obviously Dawson's equaliser was unlucky to be offside. Um, first half was poor again, like against United last time was at Molyneux. Uh, the header, their goal was so easy. I don't know if it was Star or Dawson, bit of a mix-up. And yeah, very poor day all round. It was a really poor day at the office uh, for the whole team, really. Um, it was his third goal in four Premier League games, Jack. But I think it was, it was as we just said there, it was very, very sloppy. But when, when Cunha goes off really, really early on in that first half, I think the heads dropped a little bit, didn't they? And, you know, we, we had no focal point. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't great before. Cunha went off, to be honest. If you think when Brentford finally did go in front, I think I could probably count four decent chances they had before that. So they they thoroughly deserve their their lead, in, in my opinion. And as I said on the podcast last week, I just had a bad feeling about this. And everyone, anyone who's been a Wolves fan for as long as, as we all have, like, should have just seen this come in because it should have been straight on in your accumulator as a banker for Brentford to win this, particularly... It's got to be hard to get motivated when you're playing a team for the fourth time in, what, six weeks? Under two months, definitely. And especially the fact that they've we've got the better of them in on, you know, three occasions, albeit, you know, with a replay thrown in there, but, you know, we progressed in the cup overall. It's going to be difficult to get motivated and they're going to come back fresh thinking this is our time to, you know, try and do them over now, particularly when they've got their their talisman back up front. And, and you know, you, you can't start like we have, particularly, you know, in the last two games at home, I think we've been, you know, sloppy and we've been 
sometimes the creators are our own downfall. Um, you know, if some of the passing out from the back was just, you know, shocking and sloppy. Mm-hmm. And as I said, Brentford thoroughly deserved their lead. Now, that doesn't mean to say we didn't respond. We responded quite well, I thought, particularly. Came back at them, had pretty much all the play in the second half until they scored again. And I think it was just going to be one of those days, really, when as soon as Dawson's goal was ruled offside, I think that that was you know a real kick in the teeth for us because we we would have deservedly got back to one one then, and even without Cunha being able to you know try and go for that win, but just took the wind out of ourselves and um, yeah, a difficult afternoon, but just so 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 predictable. And no matter how well we've done in the last few few weeks and months. Like we can't start like that, uh, particularly at home. No matter who you're playing, and, and giving away big chances, and just giving away the ball, you know, in our own half, and then them getting shots away. It's just it's sloppy, and there's a lot to work on. And obviously, Cunha out for an indefinite period of time now. Sky say the whole season. Liam Keane says it's not that bad. So who knows really? But you know, there's there's stuff to work on there, and it's it's not it's not been great. Although overall, you know, we're happy with, with the performances and. I, I don't know what it is really because I think we we started much better away at Chelsea than we did at home to Brentford, a team that we've um, you know ha- played three times and we should know inside out now and, and really should should you know have their number. But that's not how football works, and yeah, I saw it come in and it was about as predictable as I thought it was going to be. And Harry, I know this, the the stats don't really matter. Uh, it's the amount of goals that you score, um, but it was something like seventy one percent possession. I think Wolves had um, quite a few shots on shots at goal, uh, five on target, but seventeen in total. Just showing we didn't have our shooting boots on. Um, but I think with VAR again, you're just thinking you, you, we're in the realms of not being able to celebrate a goal again, which is disappointing for what was essentially, I believe, a toe offside. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was a goal. I must admit, went crazy. Um, and then, like I said, as I said, like the Albion game was so refreshing for this reason because you can actually celebrate a goal. And yeah. for it, when you see the still, they did it again, didn't they? They put it on the screens in Molyneux, which is a new thing. So we all the crowd could see how close it was, which might wound people up a bit more actually because it was one of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just Brentford. I think a lot of people have mentioned it. They love the time wasting and things like that, don't they? They love oh, it's to appalling wander. the time wasting yeah. from and the referee didn't help things. Anytime they threw themselves to the floor, the referee would just blow uh, to give them a foul. And we were off it. We were, although we had that little good spell, like I mentioned. Brentford did everything they needed to do to shit house an away win. Really, um, Tony. I didn't even think he was on the pitch, but he pops up with a goal. One chance, one goal. Really bad error from Dawson, passing it out to him, literally gifted him a chance. And Saar was at it all day as well, wasn't he, with those sort of things. So just a bad day. Um, I think the win-backs were probably our best performers on the day, Samedo and Eight Nori for me, but they weren't amazing. They were just probably better than the rest. Neto, I see a lot of people saying he's a bit greedy and he weren't passing to Fraser when he came on second half, which is one of them in it. Um, but yeah, just a really poor performance, really. But we've had such a good season. We're going to have off days, aren't we? It is just a bit frustrating. We can't win these games at home against these sort of teams because we don't beat Chelsea and then typical Wolves to do this against Brentford. But yeah, bad day at the office. That's all you can say about it. And also as well, I just want to say, just the atmosphere didn't help either. We turned up expecting to win. If we want to push up towards the table, the fans have got to play a part. We can't keep turning up to fixtures like this and just Molyneux being an absolute ghost town because it was. It really was. And then you got people on Twitter 
taking the piss out of the North Bank for leaving 10 minutes earlier, which they always do. But the South Bank are just as bad. I mean, obviously, obviously that was empty in stoppage time as well. So, yeah, poor all round, poor from the fans, poor from the players. Bit of bad luck for Gary O'Neill, I thought. Huang getting injured before the game. Him not being on the bench. Cunha going off injured. Obviously, the offside decision. So everything went against us. A really good save as well from their keeper on Neto's header, if you remember, yeah. Yeah. when he hit the post. So yeah, just everything went wrong for us on the day. Uh, Jack, I just want to go back to the point that you made just before um, Harry there, which was the teams that come out and attack is normally plays into our hands in it where they sort of they, they come out and we, we invite the pressure and then hit them on the break. But I think Brentford just didn't do that at all. And I think all of the games where this season teams have sort of sat back and invited our pressure, we just haven't had it in us to to do what we want to do. Uh, it always seems like we have the problem that we're just not great at breaking teams down. And and even when we do break them down, it seems like VAR then gets involved and it puts us back another step. But you can't have any excuses against Brentford because even when they were on top in, in the first half, and like a lot of those chances, you can just point to our, our errors in the build-up and what we were doing. So rather than, rather than them coming at us, like, you know, Man United came at us and ripped us apart in that first half. That's different. I think Brentford was, was different in the way that a lot of it was just our, our own doing, really, and us being sloppy on the day and a bit of... Uh, a bit of overconfidence, perhaps, you know, a bit of not taking it as seriously. But, you know, as I said, it is difficult to get motivated for a team when you play them for the fourth time in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, bad day at the office. Um, as Harry said, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think we should get too carried away. The, the Cunha injury is obviously a massive blow to us, particularly with our small squad and the way we just didn't strengthen in January. We, you know, we, we lost players rather than gained on overall numbers, which we're going to look back and point to now. But it is a shame because every time you sort of get a little bit carried away, and I, I know I said before the Chelsea game that I didn't think Europe was going to be on for us. And then you go and beat Chelsea, you think, oh my God, you know, we've got some interesting games coming up. If we beat Brentford, we'll have another look and see how it goes. We've got ourselves into the top half of the table. And you're not going to get anywhere near the Europe conversation if you, you know, don't win games like that. And you can point to you can point to the VAR, you can point to you know individual errors, whatever you want, but you know, you have to you have to be taking something from those games. And we just didn't, and you know, we didn't we didn't do enough to win the game. And granted, you know, I, I think particularly Brentford's second goal was our own doing completely. Yeah, bad day at the office, and you can point you can point to the things, and you think that Dawson obviously had his goal ruled out for offside. He was involved yes, in Tony's the mess up for Tony's goal, and he lost his marker for the for the first goal. So it's, it's just a bad day at the office for him. But I'm, I'm, I've seen some people like slagging him off a little bit because I know he's been a bit inconsistent in the last few weeks. But overall, since he's come in. He's been incredible, hasn't he? So I think you've just mm. got to give him the benefit of the doubt and just put it down to one of those days and not overreact. But as we've all seen on Twitter, there were people definitely overreacting and you know <laughs> he's getting proper carried away with it. But it's, it's uh, yeah, just just sack it off and move on, I think is the best thing to say about this whole game. Um, Harry, what did you think of Nathan Fraser? I mean, you were sort of calling for him to be introduced at halftime and he was. I think it's probably more that a, he hasn't got the minutes in him to replace Cunha on 20 minutes. He's probably got 45 in him. Um, plus, there's not exactly loads of options in the attacking department when you look at the bench. The way I looked at it is that he just trusted Belgard more. That's what I put it down to. Because I thought he should have brought Fraser on when Cunha went down. Um, for obvious reasons. He's just a natural striker for a start. Um, but yeah, he, he, I, he, I felt a bit sorry for him, to be honest. Like I said, Neto was avoiding him a lot. He didn't really want to pass to him. He was making some decent runs. Um, big pressure on him as well, isn't it? I mean, it's his fault we're now reliant on him. It's the fact that we didn't get a striker in. Um, but yeah, 
just one of them. And Belgard was crap, I thought, when he came on, to be honest. But yeah, like he just proves, I mean, we're guilty of it as well, how fickle fans can be, like Jack mentioned about Twitter, my life. The fact that in the summer, everyone had us tip for relegation. A lot of Wolves fans, all the mainstream, were sat here on 32 points, we lose home to Brentford, and people are reacting like, but we're like in the bottom three or something. We're all guilty of it, we're all reactionary and fickle, but like Jack said, it went a bit over the top. But yeah, on Fraser, I think every time I've seen him, he don't look out of place, does he? He's a big lad. He looks older than he actually is. And no one had a good game, so you can't expect him to come on and be unbelievable and get a couple because, you know, he's still very young. And he, he, he tried. But, yeah, I would have still brought him on for Belgard, though. Do you think uh, we'd have had more chance of scoring if Kalajdzic had come on rather than him? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Well, it's okay. a different dynamic. I mean, Brent, Brentford play with two big centre-backs, don't they? So, I mean, bringing on yeah. a, a beanstalk... Might have I mean, he put, it just changes the, the dynamic of the game, doesn't it, with his height? Putting four at the back as well, obviously taking Tony Gomez off for Fraser. We did start attacking a lot more, obviously. I think we had to do that. Um, but yeah, Kalajic, maybe. You just don't, you can't tell, can you? Because obviously we've gone no. a lot, at it a lot differently, whipping balls and things like that. Fabio, I mean, he's struggling no. up in Scotland, isn't he? I know he's got a couple of goals, I think, but yeah. Is we he struggling? I, don't, I, don't, I haven't followed it really. Is he struggling? Oh, yeah, I don't no, just see it when he pops up when he scores. But... I thought he'd have more goals than what he's got. Put it that way. Well, he's I think he scored it. Was it against Air or someone? Yeah. Um, and I mean, it was a good enough finish, but you think it's probably the level that he's at? To be he's sure. just he's going to turn into a mid-level championship footballer, and he that's 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 where it's going to end. Do you think, or maybe I'm being oh, harsh? Maybe I'm writing it off too soon. But is he no, that much know. better than Fraser? Based on what I've just judging on this season's performances, no, but that's a bit unfair <laughs> because be Fabio was really good to us during lockdown, and you know those games he looked like he improved massively. But all he can really remember this season is him coming on and getting booked instantly and, and doing <laughs> nothing. Go, so and hugging Morgan Ian in the comments. Look, there we go. Saying that Fraser got booked as well, didn't he? So yeah, Fabio came on for Ranger last night. Still can't hit a barn door. There you go. There we go. So, uh, Scottish football correspondent Ian uh, pretty much sums it up, I think. Um, although you probably would, could have guessed it. I want to talk about the potential of blue cards. I know it's been sort of this story's been rumbling around for a, for a week or so now. Um, I, I only say it and bring it up now because um, Brentford goalkeeper Fleck had, I think um, there was a counter attack on and. The, we were about to get the ball to take a throw, obviously, with a multi-ball, and he grabs the ball that just gone out of play and throws it on to the pitch. Obviously, takes a yellow card for that. Um, but do you think that would that would be a blue card? I mean, f- firstly, Harry, what, what do you think of the potential of bringing in Simbins? I think they need to leave the game alone, to be honest. They're just trying to mess it up, aren't they, year by year with these new rules and VAR and whatever, changing the rules throughout the season. Um, but in saying that, if there was a blue card, though, how can you sin bid a goalkeeper? Say if they it they was did come out and say this. They, they, they did come out and clarify this because that was a, a fair question. So they said, you can either put an outfield player in goal for that 10 minutes or you'll have to make a permanent substitution to bring an actual keeper on. But then your keeper obviously can't come back on after it. It's a permanent swap. So I think what mm-hmm. everyone would just do is they would just immediately sub their keeper and, and do it that way. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the clarification that they gave anyway. But, but you must have to lose a player. Though. You must have to lose a player for 10 yeah. minutes. So you must then what you do nominate a player. So by whoever you're talking for an outfield player. No, you can't. Oh yeah. No, they, they, yeah, you'd have to. 
You'd have to, you'd have to take no, no, you take off. You take off a, a, a normal player who's still on the pitch and replace him with the goalkeeper, yeah. Yeah. and then they couldn't come back on. And then when the goalkeeper's so, allowed back on, the original goalkeeper then quickly sub him off. Put him up front for right. about a minute, then sub him off. Well, that's it. I think you could actually do that. You could like bring David James on and play him up front, I think. I think that, Remember that? that Man City, possibly yeah. possible, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's quite funny, that. but um, it would be I mean, it, it just seems like a, ma- a mess. Like they haven't thought it through. Like they've gone, I mean, okay, well, that works for all the outfield players, but oh, hang on. What about the, the goalkeeper? But if, if they did make it a rule, though, that you had to like keep your keeper there and just put like an outfield player in for 10 minutes, that would be entertaining, I must admit. <laughs> That, that would be entertaining. Like scramble. <laughs> it, it would it would get rid of professional fouls by keepers. But I mean, I, I hate it when they change the rules. I mean, VAR is the biggest change in, in football, and the you know that I can remember in, in my lifetime, definitely, and pro- probably ever, really. Um, and all we do is talk about how much we mostly have negative feelings towards it. So, I mean, I, I, I still didn't like when they changed kickoffs. So it's just one player now, and not two players taking them. I'm still not over that. So you don't like changing the, the fact the fact they're bringing this in. And again, I always go back to so why? What's the reason they're doing this? And I always think, yeah, professional fouls. It's really annoying sometimes, particularly when you're on a, a big break and someone deliberately takes a yellow card. But every team's guilty of it. You know, you're, you're taught to do that if, if you're going to save a decent goal scoring opportunity and particularly late on in the game you take the yellow card don't you you, you get the old app for not taking it mm-hmm. but if they really want to eradicate those sort of professional fouls they could change it within three weeks they just started issuing red cards for them rather than yellows it would stop it would be a, a, a carnage month where people would get sent off galore and blah 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 all the arguing but it would stop it really quickly so if that's the goal then change that rule don't start bringing in different c- c- colour cards because it, it doesn't make any sense and also like I don't just don't like the fact that I get that yellow is yellow is bad, but not as bad as red. But blue is should is in the middle of those. But in, as colours, it doesn't make any sense to me in terms of the scheme because it's a blue card should not be worse than a yellow card. I don't think. But the orange. Anyway. <clears throat> well, no. I, I yeah. Think the, the only thing you can say is actually the with with the amount of um, added time that there is at the end of the half. Now it probably doesn't. This argument probably wouldn't make as much sense. But you know, you, you do get red cards late fairly late on in games anyway just because you know you you might be a second yellow or whatever but if you if you if you're on 81 minutes and you get sent off or, or if you get a blue card sorry on like 81 minutes then you would have you'd be out for as long as you would have been with a red card anyway so i don't know what yeah. problem it, they're trying to solve late late on in a game um so it, it seems bizarre but so basically, if there's less than ten minutes left, just two foot them and get red card because it's the same same punishment. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Although I suppose the the ban wouldn't be the same. You true. Know, so to be honest, I don't think it's coming in, is it? I think it was just like a suggestion. It's not something that's actually going to come in. But I think it will come in. There've yeah. been strange stranger rule changes. I mean, it, it's not really that long ago where you had is it two points for a draw and three for a win. I mean that 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 now sounds completely alien and that 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 changes arguably the course of a season far more than mm. any changes to card rewards win. I mean, yeah 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 because you, you're getting more for the win and and, and so they're trying to make it more entertaining the best rule change they ever made i think was back in the day i don't know what year it was but remember when you, you could pass back to the goalkeeper couldn't you and the goalkeeper mm-hmm. could just pick it up at any point yeah. i'm not sure what year that changed but that was definitely a great change because you watch some of the old old games and the center backs get a bit of pressure pass back to the keeper who's picked okay, it up and then boot it yeah and um, i think paul, paul Murphy made the point jack about the 
potential Simbins saying that you, you just kill the game because whoever's got one fewer player is just going to be sitting behind the ball, looking at clock, waiting for whoever to come back on. Yeah. I, I saw that video of, of Merson and yeah, he was spot on to be fair. He said it's not like games like rugby or I don't know, ice hockey where being a player down really has a massive disadvantage yeah. and you can almost guarantee the other team's going to be be on top and you know potentially score some points. Whereas we've seen it all before. We've, we've seen teams that... Uh, underdogs playing against one of the best teams in the league who has a player sent off for five minutes and parks a bus and they grind out a nil-nil. It's yeah. horrible to watch, but that, yeah. that's that's the way it will go, isn't it? Because they'll just yeah. say, right, sit back for these 10 minutes, then then we'll readdress when the person comes back on. And in that time, it's just going to be, you know, anti-football. And it's a slow, it's, it's a low scoring game anyway, isn't it? So, I mean, you, you want to be encouraging goals rather than you know tactically looking for holes in 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 rules um but yeah now i found it completely completely bizarre um let's move on to spurs harry um it looks like they may have a couple of players out um poro and adoji um look like they are probably going to miss this one uh, Cunha will definitely miss this one there was a bit of a hoo-ha early this week I think between Sky BBC Liam Keane as Jack mentioned earlier um, as to how long he's going to be out for he actually went on Instagram didn't he um, to say it's not going to be too long again it's a bit of an open ended situation Um, but he's going to be a huge miss isn't he oh yeah 100% I mean he's been absolutely vital in our season Um, we've just but the the point Gary O'Neill made in his press conference when it first came out was Spot on, really. We've, we've coped without Flangy Chan for this last month. Now we've got to try and cope without Cunha. Um, hopefully, Flang can be as, as effective as he was before he went in terms of goals. But yeah, um, on Instagram, he put one post in, he's saying, obviously, it's not as bad as it first was. Then he put one saying it's going to be like two weeks, but I doubt he's only going to be out for two weeks. No way. But it is interesting that Sky did delete their original tweet, didn't they? Saying he's out for the season. So whoever their journalist who was there that day, obviously got the crosswires somewhere. But even Liam Keane, um, I think he was saying that if he does come back, it might only be for the last few games of the season, if he's lucky. So I think there are, I think Gary O'Neill and uh, Cunha are just being really positive and optimistic with their with what they're saying about it. Um, but you never know. Because I think when Neto... Did Neto have a hamstring and it was like eight weeks, something like that? So... Yeah, but in terms of the game, hopefully Huang is fit um, because obviously he, got, he took a knock before Brentford because he'll definitely start when he Huang. It'd be the South Korean derby, wouldn't it? Because Son yeah. is also back for Spurs. But if you think when we beat them, when we beat them at Molyneux, they had so many players out that day, like way more than they've got now. I think Madison's back now, isn't Madden, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be a really tough game because they've turned a little bit of a corner again. We caught them at a good time when we last beat them. They were in a bit of a dip, so... But in saying that, <laughs> I'm more confident going into this game to get a result than I was going into Brentford, which is mad because you know what Wolves are like. It suits us to sit back on the counter, soak up the pressure and blast on them like we did against Chelsea. It just suits us to a tee and I think that could happen. Whereas when Brentford sat back shit in, we can't. We struggle a little bit with it. So it wouldn't surprise me if we get a result from this game, which is mad to say, but that's what Wolves are like. <laughs> Um, Jack, here's one for you. Tottenham have lost three of their last four Premier League games against Wolves, including the last two in a row. They've never lost three consecutive league matches against Wolves before. 
Yeah, and I don't think they would on Saturday either, really. Cunha <laughs> is, is a massive miss and Spurs are, you know, are in good form at home. Um, so it's going to be a difficult one. I mean, I'm not saying that we won't go there and get a, a result or something, but uh, I, I think we'll do really well to win. And to be brutally honest, if I've got my, my uh, honest hat on, I, I think that it's, it, it's likely going to be another defeat for us. But, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Harry, is it going to be Belgard probably? Um, if uh, Something makes you think if, if Wang missed the game completely at the weekend, he's probably not going to be match fit for this one. So is it is it Belgard? I, I don't know. I think Wang might start. I do. I think it weren't a serious one. I think it was last Friday he went down in training or something. If it was me... I would have Huang, Belgard and Neto purely because of the pace factor on the counter. Sarabi is decent, obviously, but when we're playing on the counter, his pace is lacking and it like he just mm-hmm. slows everything down. But Belgard was poor against Brentford, so but that's what we've got to deal with, isn't it? We've got we've couldn't you going out injured now. That's the cards we're dealt. Um, we've got Fraser and Sarabi to bring on if we need them. But interesting. And in terms of the other players, I'm assuming it'd be uh, Gomez and Lamina in midfield, wouldn't it? Um Toti at the back just on a new deal didn't he Toti Gomez uh, so he'll be on a high yeah interesting it'd be interesting to see what he stars or would he just go look at a 5-3-2 with just Neto and Wang up there he might change it up free in midfield Doyle Gomez and uh, Lamina be interesting because he's got to change it a little bit because Cunha is a massive miss not just in terms of goals in terms of how we play isn't it like he just he's so important in our all round game and we're going to miss him so much we're going to miss Cunha more that we miss Wang, in my opinion. Agreed. Do you think? Do you think we'll miss him more than we miss Neto? Yeah, we coped Similar. without Neto. We cope. We coped without Neto. We had a good run without Neto. Well, yeah. at the start we didn't, but then we started to turn it around, didn't we? Around the time we beat Spurs, actually. Um, yeah, Cunha's the biggest miss. Yeah, agree. Uh, I think it's a huge game for Lamino Gomez um, in the middle of the park, and it obviously paid dividends last time out with Lamina's absolute last minute winner at Molyneux. Um, Jack, let's do a score prediction. 2-0 Tottenham. 2-0 Tottenham. Uh, Harry? Sorry. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Wolves. 2-1 Wolves. Very interesting. Um, I, of course, will go 2-1 Wolves. Um, Normally, we do get betting betting news. Uh, I don't think anyone... Oh, he's not here, is he? He's, he's not here, not yeah. To, to save those Where really. is he? Uh, I don't know. Um, decorating his box. Um, <laughs> new deal for Tom King, Harry? Um, a bit of a weird one. Um, tied him down until 2027. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not quite, I'm not quite sure why, but um, I suppose it, it's good to have a backup. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what he's done to get the deal, but fair play to him. Um, yeah, I think the bigger... Did we did Toti Gomez sign his deal before the last podcast? No, I don't think so. I think that was more of a... And I think Jack mentioned... I think you shared, didn't you, Jack, about him saying he only started playing when he was 16? Well, I didn't know that, yeah. 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 He used to, apparently, he used to play rugby, and I refuse to believe he'd never kicked a football before he was 16, but obviously he's, he's going to have played it a bit. But I think he started taking it seriously when he made the move away from rugby at, at 16, which I just well, was shocked, really. I thought to be a Premier League footballer these days, you had to be kicking a ball when you were like f- three. <laughs> but Yeah. 
Well, yeah, but yeah. as manager, <laughs> but the thing is with Tony Gomez, he still gives me kittens when he's on the ball, so that kind of makes sense. He's decent, don't get me wrong, but he's very like it's it's hard to explain. He's very dramatic in his movements, and he? he's very like it's so hard to explain. But I know what I mean. He's very deliberate. You pick it up, yeah. pick it up, and pass it backwards. And he's one of them. He's on the edge. You think he's going to make an absolute howler, which he sometimes does, but not howlers. He'll make the odd little mistake, but you always think it's coming, and then he'll somehow like get out of it or make a really good block or a good pass. But that does make sense that he didn't kick a ball up till sixteen. Sometimes he's playing like he's pissed, but I really like him at the same time. So it's weird. <laughs> it's weird because I really like him. I think he's been brilliant. I think he's been a bit of an unsung hero, Tony Gomez. To be fair, since he'd come in. Um, yeah. but yeah it was weird he scares the shit out of me but I love him at the same time work that well, one out on, on the rugby front I mean being Portuguese they're not exactly known for playing rugby so I don't even know how quite how you pick up the sport and avoid football for that long and then go on to yeah. be uh, a top level um, footballer um, I've got I've got some bets uh, so if you want to go through these um, so Johnson and Huang to each take Two or more shots on target. Romero and Dawson to each commit two or more fouls is a hundred to one. Uh, mm. Wolves to win just by itself a four to one. So lots of value out there. Uh, both teams to score in both halves. Each team two plus corners in each half, and each team twenty plus booking points fifty to one. Um, what, what's a booking point? Like how, how many bookings is a booking point? Like, uh, is it yeah, a yellow? Is ten? Half a point. No idea. No idea. No. Um, Sam, you saying all that four-one walls? My bet's going to be massive. It's going to be like Chelsea. It's going to be near hundred to one. That is, if we're four to one just to win, that is. My- Another thing, sorry, Sam, you've just met, you've just reminded me. You mentioned Dawson there in that bet. There's been a lot of talk online, which happens when someone makes a mistake. People are saying they want to see Santi Bueno in for Dawson. I personally wouldn't. No, but there's a lot of talk about that now as well. No. All of a sudden, Dawson can't play football because of one bad game. Um, Jack says yellow is. 10 and red is 30 so there you go um, and Wolves 4-1 Harry is 80-1 to one. there we go Matt. Jack Jack Crockford you're right <laughs> yeah. uh, right what else we got on the list um, the Connor Cody podcast mm. Harry talk to us about that yeah so this is probably a bit of old news now but we did mean to talk about it at the time but we forgot because we're professional um no but he did a podcast and i'll, I'll be honest just search cody podcast on youtube so I forget which one it was it's with um is with some scouser like a scouser and he was very honest in the interview and i think the big revelation that come out of it which it come out at the time and everyone was a wow was the fact that wolves literally agreed a fee with a turkish club to get rid of him and I think we kind of knew he hadn't been treated the best at the time under Bruno Large. Um, and there was a lot of mistakes made when Scott Sellers and that was there. And yeah, it was very bad looking back. And to be honest, as much as I joke on about him not being able to, to defend, like when I make jokes about that, he is one of our best captains ever, isn't he? So for him to get treated the way he did, and now we've got confirmation of it and we've got a bit of behind the scenes of him talking it's actually terrible because listen to the podcast. It's amazing. It's like when he went on the Ben Foster one, all the memories he talks about, the insight he gives in so much detail about the Europa League run, like Nuno speaking to him about certain tactical stuff and that. It's a great listen. Only thing that really annoys me about Cody these days is every team he plays for, best fans in the world, best fans in the world, best atmosphere. He said the best atmosphere he's ever played in was Everton v Liverpool. He didn't mention the Man United one, the FA Cup. 
that it's a bit but, like yeah. um, how Robbie Keane used to be, saying that he was basically a fan of every team that he ended yeah. up playing for uh, somewhere down the line. Um, what do you think of the Cody situation, Jack? Because I think it pretty much sums up Bruno Large for me. Um, you know, man management, it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I mean, on paper, it's, it's disgraceful, isn't it, really? Particularly, I think it was, was it Trad Sponspor who he yeah. was sold to? And like, uh, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at a football club and whether this is like common practice these days or, or what I don't know. But, uh, you know, I remember actually the story... Um, a similar thing happened when Fosen came in originally, and I think with Dave Edwards. And you can say what you like about Dave Edwards, but he's a great servant to the club. But yeah. I think he just turned up one day and was like, "Oh yeah, you've been sold to Reading," and yeah. like that—that's it. And, <laughs> and it sounds like this kind of Cody situation is is quite similar. But you know, there's got to be some sort of respect involved for the the the, the servant that he's been over the last few years. And you know, if a player like that, and you it, you know, our, our club captain, if you do want to move him on then there's got to be different ways to go about it. There must be different conversations going on where you sit down and consult with the player and you do these sorts of things. It's not just a case of, oh, that's enough money. Yeah, go on, Connor, get on Turkish Airlines. See in a bit. Maybe that's how it works. I, I don't know, but it just seems like it's, it's like any business or any company, really. Obviously, you have to make tough decisions, but you, there's a way you go about doing it, and it sounds like something's really fallen apart there with the, with the way it, it's broken down. And, you know, hopefully new faces in there in the management room and you know in with the with recruitment i mean that sort of thing won't happen again but maybe it's common practice i don't know but it, it, it seemed incredibly harsh and i don't think any wolves fan regardless of you know we've all said on this podcast we Connor Cody been critical of him at times but you, you couldn't deny how hard he tried and how you know how incredibly was in those years for us it getting us out of the championship and, and under Nuno and you know just an all-round nice bloke and and yeah there's ways to deal with stuff and I, I was shocked when I heard that and you know if I was him I would have been shouting about it before but it, it says a lot about his character the fact that he's sat on it for a, a, 18 months whatever it is uh before bad in the club because I honestly think he did love the club and he did love the fans yeah yeah and it's yeah. just it's just a, a sorry and in, in my opinion not knowing about everything that goes on behind the scenes just a very avoidable situation which just, there was no need for yeah because it's not football manager at the end of the day is it you know they're they're human beings and they have feelings and you know it, it's one thing you know getting rid of or selling squad players but when you've turned your club captain into a squad player and he's so popular within the group and then the way that you treat him needs to be so much better, obviously, than than how it transpired. And yeah. then he then he lost the dressing room. So yeah, it just shows to, uh, as well how much have improved off the pitch now with Hobbs and that. At that period yeah. of time, it was such a mess, wasn't it? Everything was a mess. Yeah, a lot of the fans were saying get rid of Cody and go to a back four at the time, but you go about it a bit of a better way, don't you? You do right, exactly. Um, but yeah, Scott Sanders and that was involved, weren't they? And. So I think, that's why I think Hobbs has done such a good job. And I think the best thing Hobbs has done, he stuck his neck on the line for Gary O'Neill, didn't he? Yeah. Now just abides in that decision now. So we've improved a lot at board level. And I think Jeff Shee's took a massive step back as well, hasn't he? Which has helped, to be honest, <laughs> as harsh as that sounds. No, definitely. Um, right. Uh, who's got their ticket for Newcastle away? Oh, Harry, yeah. you won in the no, ballot. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason I wanted to bring this up is... Mm. I have applied for a lot of ballots and I finally won one and I never thought I would, but um, yeah, I'm going up with my dad. But yeah, that's one of the enemies I wanted to bring that up really. Um, a, a, a lad messaged us as well saying if you win the ballot and you buy the ticket, you still get the points. If you don't go, I think you do. 
because I think people are trying to build their loyalty points up now, aren't they, after what happened with the West Brom game? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll be my first away game since Arsenal under Bruno Large. Arsenal away. Were you, Jack? Remember that one? Oh, yeah. We lost, yeah. One. We so, lost late on and then, yeah, there was just loads yeah. of dickheads coming out of the ground. Yeah, I got, I got, it, I got a bit roughed up. Um, but yeah, so looking forward to trying. Been to, I been, the last time I went to Newcastle was under Walt, Walter Zenger when we were 15th in the championship and Newcastle were top. We'd just lost 4-0 to Barnsley on Tuesday night. They'd beat QPR 6-0 at QPR and we went and beat them 2-0. So, yeah. And then you were Tiger Tiger. Oh, yeah. Got yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a day. Still Great got, day. Still Great got the scar on my shoulder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Okay. Um, right, I've got, I've got a quiz. So, um, do you want to pick out of the two of you who's going to go first? Oh, there you go. Look at that. Um, right, Harry, that means you're going second. Um, Jack, which two England managers have also managed oh. Wolves? Uh, Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. And. Oh, I've got a note. I've, I've... Should I know this? Is it an old one? Yeah, you should. Yeah, I can't think of his name. No, I've got him in my head. I can't think of his name. I don't know, Sam. Turner. Turner. They called the Turner. Oh, Turner. Yeah. Yeah, Turner. Uh, we'll give you that. Uh, Harry. You can't give Jack a point. Hold on. You can't give Jack a no, point. No, no, I'm not getting a point for that. No. Uh, who did no. Wolves sign Paul Butler from? Leeds. Incorrect. Jack, do you know? Sunderland. It is Sunderland. Oh, it was one or two. It's going well. Uh, right, Jack, back round to you. Uh who was manager of Wolves after Dave Jones? Um, I want to say Glenn Hoddle again. <laughs> it is Glenn Hoddle. I thought it would up there, but very good. Oh, going to try and get you. But you, you Graham Taylor, not Turner, the first question. Graham Taylor. Oh. Uh, I've got the answer in front of me. Uh, Harry, who was Wolves' main shirt sponsor between 1990 and 2002? Good year. No, the worst. It was good, yeah. Uh, Jack, back round to you. Uh, which cup did Wolves win in 1988? Sherpa Van Trophy. Sherpa Van is correct. I would have also taken the Associate Members Cup. Uh, Harry, cool. this is to win it. Wolves have won the FA Cup four times. How many times have they been runner-up? Oh, my life. That's a good question. I've got no idea, but I'll have a guess. Um, we're good in the 50s, weren't we? So I'll go. We've gone runner-up three times. Ooh, one out. It was four. So it's a four. Oh, four. So we're going to need the tiebreaker. Rattle through this. Um, it's the quickest quiz ever, isn't it? Is your tea ready, Sam? Sam, is your tea in the oven again? We have this every week. Yeah, uh, it is, yeah. It's because it's, it's, it's just Jack playing and he listens, whereas me and Bayliss have to have the question repeated about nine times <laughs> um right here's the tiebreaker uh, one of you type it in the chat according to premierleague.com how many premier league goals does pedro neto have oh, oh whatever yeah how many premier league goals oh jack you tried yours i ain't got I ain't got, I ain't got a keyboard in front of me as i would ever oh well, that's a good one he's got a few this season and a couple two or three Ever, Neto. I'm only going to go low. 
I've got Jack's answer. Ever for Neto, I'm going to say this might be too low, but I don't know why. I can't really think of him banging many in. I'm going to go for 12. Oh, one of you is one out. Jack has said 15. Harry's gone for 12. And the answer is 11. 11. Oh, Premier well League done, Harry. 11. So there you go. Yeah, he's only, only got two this season. So. This is assists, isn't it? He's got loads of assists mm. this season. Yeah. No good yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, let us know how you did on the quiz this week and we will say goodbye to Harry Mansell. Yeah, so next week, right, I've got a microphone. Before mm. we came on, we were trying to get it working. Sure. Next week, I'm going to sound okay again. For those who have noticed, I sound like a muzzled dog. <laughs> going back to normal. Thank you for listening. Bayliss, Stevie Balls of Tata. We forgot to mention that, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we did. back next week. And uh, cheers, everyone. Um, just for, for context, uh, Bayliss was in the box with Steve Ball last week, uh, pasted it over socials. You've probably seen it. Uh, and it's a good... Goodbye. What, that- what was that? <laughs> you, you cut out. What did I do? I know, yeah. It's not just thrown together, I promise. Uh, and it is a goodbye from me. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.